Okay, this uh, video is uh, uh, about the fundamentals, about psychology, mood, news. It's about things that go into the model, whereas a few minutes ago, I created the weekly update for the stock market, but left that stuff out to shorten it up. It's more about the actual model analysis and immediate discussion, okay? Um, so we're starting with this little uh, chart here that has to do about government and public debt. This is going to go into the modeling for long term. We are learning that uh, sometimes all this government debt worries doesn't really match up to markets and economies the way it should. And I've been of the opinion that uh, the economy should have fallen apart many decades ago, self-destructed, if all this debt talk was right because we've added even more debt. Um, but it is something to worry about. I'm not saying let's just forget about uh, debt. Someone else made a comment that um, counterintuitive truth about deficits for bond investors, and you might want to track down a Matt King, formerly of Citi, um, and is also one of those arguing about some of the differences of what's going on in interest rates versus uh, economy and, and the debt levels and those sort of things. All right, now what I want to look at, this is the 1% national income share and it's approaching historical highs. And there is a theory by some who've been working on this for decades now that we're probably approaching levels that someday kind of turns into an anti-rich kind of scenario, okay? Um, and then it compares this to the world, or actually this is showing France here, of um, yes, less, less income problems, in terms of how we treat one another, but actually their stock market does quite well, and I hope I remember to uh, show it to you. The income and inequality really is uh, something long-term. It may even be super long-term, so it's not important as of today. Uh, disposable incomes, uh, where are we putting our money as we uh, make money? And we already know the middle class and poor really don't own enough of the stock market, and the rich own uh, too much, and this is creating some imbalances and also hurting us whether or not uh, we can retire. But it also can be evidence of whether or not there's any issues, uh, how long our economy can uh, last, or whether there is a super cycle crash coming someday or something like that. Uh, this little study here was just saying an indicator was so extreme. So this is a technical chart study. Um, it's so extreme that what this person found is it's probably a sign uh, stock market should uh, move up um, uh, quite a bit. He only found uh, nine cases of this since 1920, okay? Um, and it looks like it can be that, yeah, this this impressive reversal is should not be ignored. Reversal meaning big upside in the stock market during the month of November. It should not be ignored. It, it can have sustainability. This is how bearish people were. This goes all the way back to 2000. Look at this. Financial crisis, they really weren't all that bearish by this uh, type of study here. I mean, they really thought at the beginning of this year, the end of the world was coming. And boy, they really stepped in in the last two weeks of October and caused problems for all of us. And then they caused problems in October. And then they caused problems in October or August into October. And then they just abruptly change overnight and just buy, buy, buy and just stumble all over one another. What a nutcase market, okay? This is for super long-term analysis and, you know, do we have austerity and pay down our federal debt and this and that? And most of the time it caused more problems than what it was worth. I mean, the key is to try to spend less moving forward in the future and build less debt, but I think we're screwed. <laughs> There's always going to be some debt. 
and it may even be too late to fix things and maybe the only way to fix it is just keep on going with it until it does break and uh, everything crashes and then we'll start with a brand new money and do away with debt and we all start over again but I think that could be quite painful and scary and and it'd be nice if we figure out a way not to do those things. But right today, this is meaningless relative to what I see in the stock market into next year. It's something later towards the end of this decade and maybe even decades from now. All right, this is something you might want to just uh, take a snapshot and print it out. You might want to experiment. This is uh, Wyckoff analysis. It is technical. But Wyckoff worked on the New York Stock Exchange floor as a kid. He worked in bucket shops, where, which were eventually made illegal because they were a bunch of crooks. And uh, lots of things he saw, big players, little players, uh, regulation, deregulation, and things like this. But he learned over time that he was better off looking at charts to figure out what was going on. But he, he, he did have some understanding of the fundamentals. He had a lot of understanding, but he trimmed it down what he thought was the most important features, okay? But what he's saying is uh, we have these kind of patterns coming in here when the market comes down and then moves sideways, and it's being accumulated by the smart money. And, um, and maybe those that can actually control the market. In fact, he learned it from people who could control it before there were regulations, but he learned once the regulations come in, there were just other people who could control it, but they weren't really violating regulations. So he felt like you can still use the same analysis. Regulations didn't destroy the market, didn't destroy how things work, and that meant that he could continue to use it, and he developed it into this. So then we get the up move coming out of this range, and we have a breakout, and it hesitates to question, did it do the right thing? So if it would come down a halfway, he might give it a chance to go up again, but he would be nervous about it. it came all the way big down, he would get a nervous about it that it's even a wider range and maybe more bearish. But if it did hold this and then break even higher, he could become even more bullish. But he was very good at timing. He could catch this kind of stuff. He'd catch this here. Uh, he might catch this, be a little early, and adjust it and work with it. But it is uh, put into phases. It is put into various things. But if you look at the patterns, you might be able to teach yourself whether you even get a book of white cough or not. But it is something you can learn uh, that I think detects, from a technical point of view, real supply and demand. All right. So uh, that's my little education piece. I'll read off some of the other things I'm finding online and considering in the next few weeks, few months, longer term. Uh, some are saying stocks are outperforming corporate bonds by the largest margin since the peak of the dot-com bubble date as of October. So I don't know what that means. Is that problematic for stocks? they got to slow down. Maybe the bonds improve here, things like that. But they show a chart that most people would say, oh my gosh, you're putting it back up to the high of back in the dot-com bubble. Is it time for a massive problem? And I'm saying no, uh, but, you know, we'll consider it. Okay, I don't think anything is going to stop my bull market into the end of the decade. That's that's how much this economy can handle, how much the American people uh, can handle. Uh, we also have some interesting things going on with Democrats outperforming Republicans. And I'll see if I can copy that chart, maybe put it into... Uh, next week there, and maybe that doesn't interest you, but in theory, uh, for Biden's term, he should have outperformed in the stock market compared to Trump's. Well, we've had some issues. We've had a lot of problems here because we were fighting inflation, beating down the stock. It's not working as normal. On the other hand, if you look at all the economic conditions and how business is working in this country, it's better than what occurred with Trump, and we find similar situations all the way back to 1950. But the American people aren't pleased how we're doing that. They don't like the idea. Idea. We're spending more debt. We're using the government more, and so Biden 
is not getting the fair polling. He's still polling very low. When you look at all the economic, you look at all the things that have been thrown at us, the mud, the storms, the hurricanes, the lightning, and then, and be able to survive all of that. And now we're winning out of those things and seeing that performance. Yes, this stock market is worth much, much more, okay? And we just we gotta be able to deal with all the fluctuations to the downside and the noise and the frustrations and the things that are being done to scare us and realize we will survive it. And some of these things seem so serious, even I wonder, am I know what I'm doing? And then once again, just as I've learned over 30 or 40 years working with this stuff, we survive and move on. Stock market goes to a record high. And keep in mind, the stock market can go to record high, even though as a people, we may hate ourselves and one another. We may hate our jobs, our businesses. We go to work anyways. We work good. We do well. We're creative. We're productive. And then we make money. We get paid. And we go spend that money. And that keeps the wheels of commerce turning so all the businesses make money, even though we're not a happy people and we're not a good-thinking, good-acting people. And the stock market makes money out of this. The stock market goes higher. And so it works. Even during, I'd say, even if we lived back in the dark ages and had a stock market, we'd probably find the stock market's going up. Life will still go on. And it's so hard to explain that. And when these long-term business cycles are up, that very bearish news that could cause gigantic down moves and very long declines or stalling out, it gets compressed into a very brief time. And then you're over it, and it just goes to a record high. However, when you get to the end of that longest, uh, the major long-term that's due towards the end of this decade, that's when the chickens can come home to roost. That's when the, something hits the fan. That's when the machine breaks down. That's when you may get those larger dramatic moves and a greater recession and stuff like that. And we do have to watch out uh, for that uh, kind of stuff. All right, now what we want to look at is Bank America's uh, 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 quantitative analysts, I think. No, this might be their, some of their other analysts. Anyways, they have like 10 bullets of things that they think are working, and I only got maybe eight here, and I'll just give you the headlines of the bullet. A global shift to rate cuts. Number two, heart net constructive once there's a land, hard landing scare. So this is some indicators and data that you get a hard landing scare, then the scare goes away, and they're picking up on that thinking that's working. We're not going to get the hard landing. It's going to go to soft land, and it makes people more bullish and the bears to back away. Uh, third one, expect 10% S&P upside, less sanguine on Euro stocks, okay? And I can see Europe can have more issues, especially UK has more issues of how their economy is developing. They could even cause some problems, I suppose, for the world, but generally not. But they have their own issues. So to me, uh, continental Europe, or France, Germany, the better stocks areas, some of those smaller countries, uh, maybe down to South America, maybe some of the Asians, China may finally turn up there. And globally, we're going to do okay in a stock market. All right. Um, now, uh, expect Brent crude oil to average $90, uh, commodities to restock. So I think we're gonna build supplies, temper stocks, and there are Wall Streeters out there saying sell commodities, buy stocks. And they also wanna buy bonds. Japan inflation persists, strategy sees market upside. So apparently, Japan's still gonna have an inflation problem where the rest of us are fixing it but apparently they're going to be all right and the stock market is uh, still going to do okay. Rate cuts and peaking dollar a positive for emerging uh, nations or they're saying markets, okay? And I believe that, okay? Our lower dollar will actually help the world when textbooks would tell you not. 
And then they see seek quality yield and credit. So there can still be some credit issues. That's just normal how you would protect your portfolio. But it's saying you can go out there and take on bonds and debt, but you can also look more at stocks even as an alternative. And then slowing investment spend a drag on U.S. growth. So they are suggesting that some of these higher growth numbers for our economy in the next uh, year or two might not be so good as some people think, but uh, it is something to uh, consider that maybe not as robust, but it's looking bullish for 2024, just as I have forecast. Now, uh, there's a book that I might get to read. You may want to. It's called In Search of a Moral Foundation for Capitalism. It's by Douglas E. Uh, Stevens. Might want to check that out. There's many other types of white papers and books that I've been trying to read and keep up here on what's going on short term to very long term. And most of it's more of the social long term side of how we can dial that in because the business side is taking well care enough of itself. Now tomorrow we're going to get the PMIs and we can compare that to GDP. And uh, we did learn the GDP went to 5.2% this week. I'm sorry, I should have created a chart of that. But I do think uh, it's it's looking good. I think, yes, fourth quarter will back off to, into the 2% area, and it's already forecast for that. I think for the year, we'll average better than a 2.1, uh, but I don't know the exact number. But I do think next year, consider 3 to 4% inflation, maybe even 4 to 4.5, we get lucky, uh, for uh, next year. And uh, it looks good. It looks like that trend is in solid place. And I think we can temper interest rates lower now into 2025. But there's only so low interest rates can drop before the Federal Reserve, okay, uh, will drop their rates. So let's move over here and get the Federal Reserve target and explain that a little bit. If I can find it, there it is. Uh, that was the stock market chart, by the way, and it's still bullish long term. That's all those blue lines are zigzagging up. So here's the Fed Reserve. They've leveled off, and they're probably going to level off for a few to several months. Now, Bill Ackman, who was betting, betting on the upside a huge amount, he won. He made $200 bucks, but boy, he dumped it abruptly. And he was concerned interest rates would come down because of bad times, but he felt like it uh, could go either way. It could be good times and still bring interest rates down. So that's why he wanted to make the bet in that direction. He felt like he made the most time to run, run and cover it. Uh, and others followed suit, but others have actually replaced them and probably losing a little bit right now. To me, uh, this is the bond rate now. You can see how much it's below the Federal Reserve rate. And I think it could go lower than what some people think. I think it can go on down to 4%. But I had a target of 4.27 or 4.2 area, and it's there. So it's making me nervous we could get a short-term blip up. And I think the market's getting a little nervous of that right now, the stock market. But I think ultimately it will go lower, but I also feel as though it can only go so low and then it has to wait on the Fed Reserve and it could recover at times that it gets fearful the Fed Reserve isn't coming down fast enough. Now, Bill Ackman believes the Fed can lower as soon as the first quarter of this year, but he just said as soon. Uh, I'm sticking with May, June, July, but I certainly would appreciate as soon as March, and I think there is a possibility. But they may wait longer. They may make this tough on us. It depends how the, the inflation's going. And there's a lot of estimates inflation is really in the 2% area. Anyways, the government is that far behind. And this morning, the PCE inflation come in at 3.5. And I need to update my charts on that. I may send out yet another separate video on this in the next few days or something. But at any rate, um, 
I, there is, I look at the trueflation number and it bounces around 2.8%. It's kind of, I think, waiting on the government to come down further. The government's at 32 on the CPI, and I don't know where they are on, uh, oh, well, yes, now they're at 3.5, sorry. Um, so if we can breach three or even hit three, I think you've got another level where people are going to be feeling relieved. The Federal Reserve is not going to raise rates, but I think they're now going to get, they would get even more serious. They're going to lower rates. And as soon as they start lowering rates, the free market should lower uh, ahead of the Federal Reserve. So every time they lower, the free market will be already at a lower rate and they're going to lower even more. And they may even speed it lower. And we may be surprised how low rates are going to be by 2025. And uh, so that can be a sign of good economy. Now, in 2025, we may actually have a worry over the economy, and that might be the last shot lower where the Fed uh, lowers it quite a bit and might overdo it once again. Uh, real estate. Uh, um, pending home sales this morning were the worst uh, since before the financial crisis, I guess. Uh, so I, I've been telling you I feel like home prices should have been coming down this year all the way into 2025. I'm sticking with that forecast. It's working. I think it's over and done with for the real estate brokers of how good a business they're going to have now in the home side of things. I'm not seeing land, and I'm more interested in dealing in land. I'm not seeing that coming down much at all because it didn't run up as much as some of these uh, homes did. And I think the rural areas might be a little more insulated. They didn't run up so much on their homes. But it does look in general real estate should be going lower uh, into sometime next year, maybe even into 2025. And if things are going higher, I see them less so. Even in an inflation scenario, we're seeing some things negative. As I was telling you in the stores, I'm buying some things cheaper than what I were, was before the inflation run up. Other things I'm buying uh, about the same price, so it wiped out the inflation. Other things, uh, they're still high price, but they're off a little bit. And then there's a few things still, not in the grocery store, but in other places where I can see, yes, they are creeping higher, but it is slow. In my opinion, we might be on the verge in just the next few months uh, to see inflation actually drop quite hard because of those things that are actually going down, that that can offset the things that are going up at a slower pace. But the fact is that's going up at a slower pace helps bring down inflation. Now you take some things and actually knock the price down. You know, and then of course that brings us to uh, a discussion on uh, commodities. Will commodities drive uh, prices higher? Uh, that infiltrates or filters through, trickles through the overall economy, so that we drive inflation higher. And currently, I say not. And I'm trying to find my uh, inflation chart, but I'm going to. Uh, uh, commodity chart. But I'm going to go with gold first here because I forgot to discuss it in the weekly update uh, for the stock market and the related markets. So this is a long-term top. Nothing has changed. That still makes sense. This is a long-term bottom. Nothing changed. That still makes sense. This was a warning. Yes, it will bounce, but it should go lower still. And so I was bearish in here. And then for a few months this year, I said, I'm not so sure about this anymore. I'm not so sure I updated well enough on it. I'm well updated well enough. Here's the thing. The model's saying this might have been the latest of thou for a long-term bottom. And how crazy is that? That is probably some kind of bullish head and shoulders pattern. It's showing relative strength in there. Something has changed. They beat it up too much here. The supply and demand balance has changed. Okay. So this is a long-term top. Nothing has changed to that. So what I'm thinking is Starting, um, I probably should wait a couple more months, but I think you can even use this month. So in the future, near-term future, 
if it takes out this high, now this is the futures, not the cash, uh, but if it takes out that high at 2085.45, this is a continuous chart, so yours may be a little bit different. You may want to look at prior expired individual charts, but also take a look at the cash. But what I'm saying is the near-term future goes higher anytime, even going into next year, all of next year. That would be a violation of a long-term bottom, or top, I'm sorry. And the forecast is the market may be bullish into 2025. And yet, I don't think it's going to be a robust, easy bull market. It's not going to be something like this, okay? I think the market isn't really betting on a rise in inflation in coming years. It's just saying be safe, hedge for it. It's also looking at its own S&D and saying things are a little bit tight. Investors want to own gold, so we should charge a little more for it. And you know what? The gold bugs, bugs that never stop buying gold, they're buying, and we can get a better price for it. It's, it's a stable market where the seller can get a chance of getting a higher price. So I don't think this is a great buy. By no means, I, I just don't think anything's going to explode. Uh, I think that people are just saying, I'm going to start making money out of stocks. I'm going to start making money out of bonds. But you know, I always used to, you know, last 30, 40 years, buy a little gold as a hedge. And I think that's what's going on here. And I think the balance is just tight enough that that can put an upward bias in price, okay? Um, but it may rally into 2025. And the best I can tell you, if it takes out the low of last month, then that forecast is probably wrong, okay? And I am super cycle bullish looking out the next decade for gold, but I can see how gold can stall out for many years during the remainder of this decade. And stalling out means a wide range, so where's the floor of that range? I'm not convinced we've seen it at 1600. It may be at 1400 a few years from now or something, but I, I'm willing to move it up to be safe, to, to be conserved to 1600. And I'm willing to say something went on here where we had too much supply, but they soaked it up where we don't have too much supply and the normal demand, the demand that's always there, uh, can push gold higher. I'm not seeing where, hey, somebody needs to buy gold that we don't normally see and it's going to make a very robust market. If central banks are back buying heavily, and I believe they had bought, but I think they backed off, that may be a bullish uh, factor here. Maybe people don't want to use Bitcoin, use gold now. Maybe that's some kind of bullish factor. But in general, I think we're looking at normal uh, demand uh, for the gold market. Now, if we move over here to the dollar, I'm still convinced the dollar is probably actually going to work higher when looking out into 20, late 24 on into 25, but I don't think it's going to go up much at all. I know I'm showing some kind of explosive move, but that may be late this decade for more decade kind of patterns, okay? And I could also be wrong on this major and mid-size long-term stuff. I don't think I'm going to be wrong in this minor long term to for the dollar to pick up, but I don't think it's going back to 110 or higher, frankly. And I just don't see the news information. It looks like to me, and you want to study the, the comments by Ray Dalio, uh, formerly running uh, the Bridgewater um, um, hedge fund, one of the largest hedge funds in the world for pensions. I don't think he runs it anymore. He just kind of watches and advises. Uh, busy spending his money, uh, but he's doing a lot of fantastic super long-term research. And yes, he is worried of a financial crisis, a blowout, too much debt. But And he got worried over a war coming with China, Taiwan, and uh, U.S., and this and that. And boy, just in this week, maybe late last week, he backed off. 
and he sees an opportunity, at least for a little while, of China and U.S. getting along, uh, all the major countries getting along with the rest of the world, and that's my gut feeling for next year. It's not really enough scientific math, quantitative stuff. It's mostly qualitative, subjective stuff, but I see an opportunity that we're going to calm down next year and be less fearful over the future of crash and burn and blow-ups and World War III, and we're going to discount people saying that stuff. We're going to ignore them somewhat. I'll bet you see some podcasts suddenly losing popularity, followers, subscribers. Or they don't lose the subscribers, but they realize, boy, people aren't, didn't watch this week's episode. And they'll be back a little later maybe, but they're just not watching all of them. And I think we calmed down a bit, but I think that calm down is also going to link with, however, that we're going to invest more in stocks and the stock market's going higher. And... Uh, and maybe some commodities bounce, but overall they stay stable. And I think people are going to be in that mood that we kind of survived this big run-up and inflation was transitory uh, after all. Anyways, there's my uh, dollar scenario on a long-term basis. And I did the uh, gold. And actually, was that gold? No, that's still futures, I believe. I was trying to figure out whether that's cash. For some reason, I have two golds and I don't see a cash. Uh, what else can I show you here for a long-term basis? Value line A, perking up, but it does show a, a significant portion of the U.S. stock market had problems, businesses had problems. It's like we had a shadow or secondary recession point of this thing, and yet it really wasn't a national U.S. recession. It was kind of like for some and a problem. Some will say they can't turn bullish so it takes out that two-month high right there, but um, I think it will. I think it's positive, but there's some work to do. It has bothered me how sluggish it's been, and in this one, it was even more sluggish. It's like it was picking up on the bank stocks more than anything else. This may be an extremely late, latest allowed, line or long-term bottom. Uh, doesn't matter because this one held at least. And I'm hopeful we get it back above 600 here, and that should be a sign of bullish when looking out to next year. And it should be bullish, and that would mean a broader section of the stock market on board that there's more companies going to start making money. And I don't have my charts, but I know I've been updating you almost every week. Charts of like forward earnings, price earnings, things like this. People are saying companies are going to make more money next year. Even some of the mega bears this year were saying they could probably be bullish for next year. They just had to be bearish for this year. They were wrong this year. Let's face it. The bears caused problems when it wasn't deserved for we bulls. That was nonsense of how low we took it and how long for August, October. And that's why the market exploded so uh, well. All right, uh, I think I have the NYSEG index as well. There's a NYSEG. It was a leader. It did better than S&P 500, NASDAQ, and Dow. Came down. Not so good here. Now rebounding. I think it's going to catch up and do all right and be bullish into uh, for some or all of next year. And now let's take a look at, I think this is a Russell 2000 uh, futures looks like they came back and tested. I think you got another long-term bottom. 
I think some of these smaller businesses are getting on board. Something just took them longer to get on board. It'll be interesting to see what we get for PMIs uh, tomorrow. Here's India that's I'm bullish India for the next 20 years. And there it is. It's ready to go bullish again. Here's Italy. This is actually a fund. I still have problems pulling in the index I want for Italy. Looking great. Nice recovery here right in line with the U.S. This is Germany. Uh, the German DAX looking great, wonderful. It's on its way. Uh, this is the global Dow index, mostly U.S., but includes other countries. I think it's okay. It's got some work to do, but I think it's okay. This is uh, France's uh, CAC index. Uh, it could do better. They had been outperforming. They did much better. They struck a record high well before probably anybody else. And then they took a more big of a slump. It may be more of a struggle then for them moving forward. I wonder if Germany will now outperform them when they've been lagging them. But I think it looks constructive. I have to be long-term bullish. This is China. And they to me have problems well into next year, but really I think now in the next few months probably put in a long-term bottom. But I don't think it's going to recover or do all that well, and I don't think we need a robust China stock market to help the global, to then help the U.S. I think it'll be fine. I don't think the uh, China government could care less if their stock market does that well. They just don't want to lose it. All right, uh, this is the commodity index when, yes, I can see it moving higher into next summer. And uh, summertime, the grains could boost the commodity index and put scares of inflation. And yes, the Fed Reserve could suddenly raise rates and give us problems later next year, but I think it's going to be more of very late next year on into the following year. And then they'll go too far and hurt our economy and have to lower them again in 2025. But it's also possible it won't matter, okay? Because this is how low this index can go into 2025 and maybe even lower, and it can just mull around here in a range. But my overall bias is even though this is saying up into this top, it would then come down into this top or this bottom, but this bottom is more important, should be coming out of a major top into almost a major bottom. So this shouldn't matter so much. It should be something on the way down. And so I just don't trust the upside for the entire commodity sector. And I wouldn't be buying that to hedge the upside uh, for some reason. I probably would be buying gold and playing with crypto uh, currency here. And frankly, I just buy stocks, okay, because it is a uh, bull market. In the crude oil for major long term here, uh, same story as that commodity index. And what you can see is my modeling has done very well of showing what probably is an undervaluation level, but one of those levels where the market really deserves to go there. And it deserves to go there time and time again, all the way into 2025, at least late 24. But like the other markets, commodity markets, it can dip up some uh, of next year, may wait to summer and only bounce a month or two. I don't know. It can be moving up like this and then down. It may move up quite a bit, then down. But I can also see it moving down more near term and then just can't move up as much. This line may even be telling us as high as it's going to go as it kind of bounces like this and just works lower. I think OPEC's going to have a problem here. Uh, they can't drive prices back to 100 bucks. Okay. And so this should be constructive for the economy and positive and is a positive in the modeling for the stock market and the economy. And in the old days, it used to be a headwind for commodities in general. People would take a negative attitude. I don't think that works as well. I think they treat commodities more individual here lately. Uh, but they do watch commodity indexes. And so I think this supports the commodity index quite well and supports our scenario that inflation is probably going lower into next year, maybe even to 2025. Now, if it moves down that 2% area by early next year, 
just expect it to move sideways. I'm not with those who think it's going down, down to 1% to zero in the next couple of years. And if it does, we will just see more faster uh, interest rate drops by the, the Fed here. I think if we're going to have an economic problem, it's in 2025, not 2024. I think we're going to see a robust economy and a happier American people, but not super happy. And in uh, things, well, there will still be headwinds and struggles. But I think we're going to, you know, get by with the Middle East and Israel. We'll get by with Russia, Ukraine. It may last for a very long time. But what do you know? Maybe 2024 is the year we resolve that and people will become happier there. And then we're going to rebuild Ukraine and they'll be rebuilding in the Middle East. And all that's going to take more debt, but it'll be appropriately generated, created debt. And then we'll spend it and that out will make stock prices move higher and the middle class and poor uh, we'll do better. So I like where we're going with this. And if we go with the 10 year rate, and this is the cash rate, there's our monthly chart. Bam, really dropped it down there. And we probably have got a midsize and minor long term top in interest rates. We can bring this thing all the way down to 2% in the next few years, even. And then take it all the way back to 4, 4.5, 5% uh, later this decade, and then drop at the end of the decade for the recession, bring it down to 2%, maybe even lower. But I doubt we're going back to 0% on anything. Maybe never, <laughs> for a very long time at least. I think something has changed here for the next 30 or 40 years in that regards. Um, and later this decade, we may even see that interest rates go higher than that. But at first, uh, rates can back down. And I don't think it's because of a poor economy or recession, maybe some worries by 2025. But I think it's going to be because we're actually got a good economy, decent economy, and even helping the economy by bringing these, uh, these interest rates down. So we can get some bounces along the way here to scare us. And I'm not saying it'll really be this low uh, by late 24 into 25, but I I want to put it in our minds. It needs to be on our radar screen and think about it. And uh, to me, that makes the stock market worth more yet. Okay. So I'm trying to think what else I missed for this discussion on the fundamental and personal opinion and whatever stuff we're looking at. I think that about wraps it up uh, for this week. And the stock market scared me a little bit here a few minutes ago because the NASDAQ went a little bit lower. The Dow is hanging right in there wondering what to do. This is wondering what to do. These guys, they're serious about selling for some reason. Now, notice that um, the, uh, the uh, I had a breaking moment here on my news headline. European stocks close out best month since January as inflation eases. Europe had a little more inflation issues before we did. That, or all I'll say is that you could find where it was worse, but now things are improving. Same thing over in Asia. Uh, UK is one of those that's giving some people uh, some worries here. Not not so much inflation. I think it's breaking. I think it's rolling over. But they got issues of building their economy and how much more debt uh, can they handle here. And um, so at any rate, um, I still want to be cautious of it dropping below 45.40 in the cash S&P 500, 45.47 something in the S&P 500 futures. That may only be a trap that is down for a couple of days and then right on up and then it just goes higher into the end of the year, despite what's going on with Federal Reserve and inflation on December 12th and 13th, despite what's going on with the jobs report December 8th, despite what's going on with PMIs tomorrow and next week. Okay, and um, but. The problem is, if it takes out those lows, granted, it may only go a little lower for a couple of days and traps everyone and right back up. 
But you can see how it could extend into the end of next week into that jobs report. And now that's enough days to, to pull the stock market back quite a bit where it would be worth selling and then a few days later jumping on it and buying it at a little better price. But again, all of this looks very short term. If you're more intermediate, long term oriented, don't normally buy every single month, don't normally buy, you know, weeks, every week or, you know, every few weeks you buy something that's a little more faster than I would think you'd probably just ride this out and pay no attention to what may be just a bunch of crap coming at us over the next two weeks making a much lower market only to have it just soar higher by the end of the month of December and even higher into January. To me, if you're that intermediate long-term trader who wants to buy a pullback, and perhaps even sell a little, take a profit, see if you can buy back cheaper, and then maybe even buy more because you're building cash all the time. I would tend to think you'd want to wait to see what you get in January for a level two bottom. And if for some reason this tops out a little early on us, like on November or December 11th week off, and actually declines and robs us of a Santa Claus rally, we may see that by the last week of December. But my guess is it's going to be uh, sometime in January. And then, even more important buy would be a couple months later, but I think for buyers trying to build throughout the bull market next year and through this decade, you'd want to buy probably every level two, level one. And that may mean you're buying as fast as every other month here. But whether or not you want to take profits and try to take that risk of buying it cheaper, uh, I'm kind of leaning more towards level ones, which probably means I'll only uh, sell and buy two to three times a year. <clears throat> may ignore the level twos. And sometimes the problem is we don't understand. We call a level two when it's really level one, though. And that's why I understand why some will do something on all level ones, level twos. But if you're trying to look for a long-term buy, unfortunately, you're not going to get it probably to 2025. The market could go up by huge amounts. And it may come down by a large amount, you know, 10, 20 percent. But you may find out it doesn't come any lower than where we are today and may even bottom a bit higher, you know. And so if you're looking for something really serious, uh, you really have to wait to the year 2028 on into 2031 for a major long-term top once a decade sell signal when the stock market can drop minus 20 to minus 50%. And the problem with that is sometimes the stock market drops 20% during the bull market, meaning it can still occur by 2025. And that's why people get confused. They don't know how to separate that end of decade, more important sell signal. They don't even know how to detect it and time it. And that's why they also get messed up on their own analysis fundamentally, politically, uh, socially, uh, psychologically. They uh, expect the market to just crash and burn even during the growth phase. And if they might look somewhat smart and, and pull it off, if the market only drops 20% a little bit more, they might get on board and take, take care of it. But if they're looking for 40%, 50 70%, if they're looking for long periods of times, like a couple years of down, they've been wrong every time, as best I can tell, uh, going back to the 1930s, maybe even the 1880s. So this business cycle stuff works. It's very strong. It's very powerful. And uh, it, it shows, I mean, just look at all of our economic statistics. We are doing so much better than we did two years ago, four years ago, doing better than even six, eight years ago. We're knocking on the doors of some of the better decades, and yet the stock market is running behind. It's cheap. It's, it has been undervalued. I don't know if it's uh, undervalued right now. It might be fair value in short term, but it should continue to move higher because the valuations are going to continue to move higher. 
And yet, as a people, when you look at the polls, we kind of act like, geez, you know, we ain't getting anywhere. And it's simply not true. However, and that shows us why we're not thinking correctly and why this analysis can be valuable and help us out here. But looking at that like value line G, value line A, maybe a little of the NASDAQ, thinking about this seven, uh, magnificent seven, the only one driving uh, the stock market higher, what it does is it suggests that maybe all of that can improve, get better. Those are the stocks are now going to be picking up. And that directly relates to some of these people who were so blood-curdling bearish, even just a few months ago, who are now quite bullish and saying bullish uh, in 2024, they see companies making money. I uh, just had another breaking news. Oil King Saudi Arabia extends its production cut into first quarter as OPEC Plus leaves its official policy unchanged. Yeah, they have to. They know there's too much oil and they're not going to allow us to buy it any cheaper. And they're hopeful they're establishing a floor price here is what they're doing. And I think that's the best they can do for a while. All right, have a great week, weekend, and uh, past results and on the same dick of future results. That's your weekly update on the fundamental side. If you didn't see the weekly update done earlier this morning, that was more of price side of indexes and a few other markets uh, and try to keep it more to the actual model signals, in my opinion, uh, relative to that. And I'm breaking these up so that we have shorter videos to look at, but at times maybe a little more time to discuss something uh, on the more narrow uh, focus. Thank you.